Life Audio. Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast with Trisha and Michelle. We're just two friends reading through the Bible chronologically and encouraging you to do the same. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Daily Bible Podcast, or go to our website, dailybiblepodcast.net. We are going through the one-year chronological Bible, and we have links for that in our show notes and also at our website. And thank you to all those who have joined our Facebook community. If you haven't joined, you can also check it out at Daily Bible Podcast. Just look under Facebook groups. And also thank you for those who are leaving reviews. It's so fun to discover a new review. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's dive in because today we are diving into some deep waters. We are reading all of Song of Songs, uh, eight chapters, chapters one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And we are diving into the waters of love and ancient <laughs> love poetry. Okay, the newlywed's a little bit excited <laughs> about the Song of Songs. I just have to say. Well, I'm just going to say that this is a book that I just sort of, I I wouldn't say I skimmed through it, but I just was like, whatever. We're I mean, I really, there. I was like, whatever. And, and so I probably did just skim through it before. And this was the first time I sat down and really like read through it. And I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So um, with the Song of Songs, many scholars say that this was written by Solomon, but there are some that are saying that maybe it wasn't Solomon who wrote the book. So there's still a little bit of not quite sure Mm -hmm. who did write this book, but Solomon does play a part because Solomon's name and it does, he is part of the conversation. But This book, while not really understood, is meant to be read as a conversation. And I think that when I did a little bit of research before reading the book this time and thought of it as a conversation, thought of it as a flow, Mm -hmm. and then also read it thinking that I was sitting in the Renaissance times. And that Uh, just sort of, that sealed the deal for me. And then I was like, oh. That's like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Hark, my lover is at the window. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, so as you as you see, this is a conversation. It flows from courtship to wedding to marriage. And our primary speakers for this conversation was the shepherdess, her entourage, the shepherd, and then King Solomon, which is why we think that maybe King Solomon authored the book. Yeah, so cool. And so the Song of Songs is basically a collection of Hebrew love poems, and it's about relationships, romantic and intimate relationships. And as we talk about this book, we need to mention that scripture does not dictate that every person needs to get married and be involved in a sexual relationship. So God calls some people to celibacy, and Paul talks about this in First Corinthians and in uh Chapter 7, 7 through 9, it says, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. (laughs) So, uh, So just to lay that out there, that this book is in there, but it's actually in the New Testament that this idea that not everyone should get married is there. It's a book of passion. And mm-hmm. I, I found this out, Michelle. Young Jewish boys weren't even allowed to read the book Song of Songs until they were of marrying age. 
I saw that too because it's risque. <laughs> it's risque. <laughs> um, and so this is so neat. According to this enduring word, the Bible commentary, it says the best way to see this book is a literal, powerful description of the romantic and sensual love between a man and a woman observing both their courtship and their marriage. It does not give a smooth chronological story beginning with the introduction of the couple to one another and ending with them married in life together. Instead, it's rather snapshots of their courting and married life. And so I thought that was really interesting. But why would we have a poetry book like this in the Bible? Um, and it's because God created love and he created marriage and mm-hmm. he created sex. And as Christians, we should feel comfortable talking about this. The problem is that we've allowed the world to take over the dialogue. And they, what they have to say about it is wrong. It is raunchy. It is. So we can look at this and say, like, God, even before the world took over the dialogue of all the things they're saying about this, God had things to say. Um, and so there are so many inappropriate sexual discussions out there. We need to take time to have mm-hmm. healthy sexual discussions. And the church doesn't talk about this topic very well, but yeah. this is in the Bible for a reason. So one thing I found out is in this book, there are three Hebrew words used to describe the word love that's described in this book. So the first one is friendship. And it's this Hebrew word is used in Song of Songs is rea. And it basically means having a friend or a companion or a soulmate. So this is in Song of Songs 4-7, and it's a special person should be our, our best friend. And then the, ex, the next one is Ahava, and that is a deep affection and commitment. It means uh, this deeper love. So, But it doesn't just mean sexual love. So Ahava, like Abraham had Ahava for Isaac, that was a fatherly love. Jonathan had Ahava for David, and that was a brotherly love. Um, the Israelites had Ahava for the, David, their king. They loved their king. Um, even, even King Hiram had Ahava for David. We remember he's the one that helped David gather all the gold and stuff. And it was a political ally. Um, and God has Ahava, which is care and devotion for his people. And so it's not just a feeling, but it's an action. And in Deuteronomy 4.37, it says, because he loved your ancestors, because God Ahavad, your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants and he brought you out of Egypt. So it's that active love. Um, mm-hmm. And so concerning marriage, Ahava is a love of will. And it's more, it's more profound than just those romantic feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads people to make decisions that will join them with another person for life. And it's a commitment. So this is a love that's based on commitment. Um, and in eight verse, uh, chapter eight, verse seven here, it says, many waters cannot quench love, ahava, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tries to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. So it's not just buying love or those romantic feelings. It's that deep commitment. And then the third Hebrew word used here is the word dod. And dod uh, means to... Uh, uh, rock or to fondle. Um, so this is like the, the actual intimacy part. And so that's in chapter one, verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of my mouth for your love. It's that sexual love is more delightful than wine. And it's that passion and that's romantic feeling in that part of the physical sexual intimacy. And so what I thought about when we see what's happening in culture, people are going straight to Dodd. They're just like going straight to the sexual intimacy and passion. And then they may find Raha, which is the friendship. And then maybe after a long time, they will go to Ahava, 
which is commitment. So we've got it completely backwards in our society. In other cultures, like in the Hebrews um, and the cultures in the Bible, they had arranged marriages and they had those uh, commitments. So it started with Ahava. It started with commitment and dedication and action. They would get engaged. They would uh, have arranged marriages and then they moved to passion. So they meet someone, all of a sudden they're intimately involved. And then hopefully they would find Raha, which was friendship as they are in this marriage relationship. And so uh, I thought it's so interesting that our culture completely, they're all about the sex. I, and it drives me crazy mm-hmm. when we're watching movies with kids or with anyone, but usually my older kids. And all of a sudden they, there's that little cute romantic comedy and they're already in bed. And I'm like, what? They just met each other yesterday. Like this is ridiculous. And it that's how our culture thinks that shows love or that shows that connection. It's like, no, we can have so many different ways instead of just showing these characters in the movie sleeping together. Um, and so those, those three words I found really interesting. Now people might be saying, well, what about agape? I hear about agape love in the old Testament. It's Hebrew. And so then we have Ahava, Raha and Dodd where in the new Testament it's Greek and that's agape love. And that is the committed love. So in, that word ahava in the Hebrew is love, but in Greek, it's agape. So it's the same type of deep committed love, but um, it's just Hebrew versus Greek. You know, I, I love that you're bringing um, just those definitions of love in because we have in our culture, we've cheapened the word love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I love a good banana, or I love my coffee in the morning, or I love you, my friend. I love you, my husband. I love, I love, I love this movie. I love this. I love that. And, and we're trying to find another word that's better than like, but we don't have anything. And so Mm -hmm. we just love it all. And, and so we've really cheapened really cheapened love. And and one of the things that that I caught on to in Song of Solomon or Song of Songs is that there's this idea that love truly never concludes. Like it's always mm. going deeper and deeper. And the more time you spend with one another, the more that you're going to come to love one another. So if that's friendship, that's a different kind of love than it with your husband. It's a different kind of love than with your child. But the more that it's, it's almost like that love grows each day. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more of that. And, and again, we see that we see this true in romantic relationships. We see it with our children. We see it with God. And there was also this powerful garden imagery, imagery here. Like just think of, think of Eden, um, where human love started and where it was totally untainted by the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of felt like is that this could have almost been written back then because there was this sort of idea of, of just, there was just beauty, beauty in this as we were reading. And then now think about Revelation. And most of us know, or we've heard sermons on Revelation. Revelation is when we will, it's like the perfect garden. It's when we'll have this marriage supper of the lamb that is like the height of everything that we've been living for and everything that everybody else has been living for. And it's when Christ returns. And that's when love, all of love will be untainted once again and in perfect order. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it was just, it, 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 it was a good read for me this time. I've got to say, I enjoyed Song of Songs this time. 
I'm so glad. (laughs) Well, we need to take a break and we need to hear from our sponsor. But when we come back, we'll have the word of the day. Stay tuned. Okay. So our word of the day is love. Love. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what other word would you have um, for song of songs and, and so i'm so glad trisha that you really defined some of the terms of love and some of the different levels of love because that's so important to know that there is some some like it's not just white or black there's some gray and layers in there mm-hmm, to help mm-hmm. us truly understand love and the different levels of love and and, and of course, Song of Songs is this book that points us to love and the deep love between a man and a woman. But I want to pull back the layers just a little bit. And in all of Song and Songs, we see a love that trends, that transcends. It's a gift that points us to God. And God has this perfect love for us. And, he, you know, one day he will transform the world with his perfect love. And and we can see that love already play out as we're looking at the Israelites and and how God continues to just pull them back in. Mm-hmm. And we saw that love in Song of Solomon with just some of the the tugging and the going and and just as we're we're watching this conversation play out and and there was almost like a cat and a mouse game. Mm-hmm. So there was that that love that just kept sort of flowing throughout the book. We also see in this book that God knew what he was doing when he created sex. And yes, it's kind of a quote racy book and the Jewish boys could not read it, but it's not dirty. That's what he's trying to show us here. Mm -hmm. Sex is not dirty and it's a really big deal for good, but also for bad. I mean, if you think about it, we live in a world that's been tainted by sin. And that's what Trisha was talking about before the, before the break. It's been tainted by sin. And so we've lost this true meaning of love and we've lost the true meaning of really what sex is for. And, and so sex is everywhere and, uh, love is being thrown around. Sex is being thrown around. We've cheapened it and, um, we've cheapened true love and, Really, what God is trying to show us in this book is that there is significant beauty between a husband and a wife and between that union. And, and that, that union, of course, we know it does. It points back to him and the beauty and the love that he has for us and the, the, the bond, really the bond that he has for us. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And there's so many scriptures that talk about that as we get into the New Testament, talking about God's love and talking about that, you know, he, he loves us more than we can even imagine. I mean, he sacrificed, Christ sacrificed himself for us. And so I think it's so amazing to see that, that God created all these layers of love. God created humans to have friendship, to have commitment, to have passion. Um, and the complexity and the depth of these human emotions really show us that there is a divine designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, animals don't have this type of emotions and this type of love and friendship and commitment and passion and all these things. Um, it's not there. And so this divine creator God gave us all these layers of love that are interconnected, interconnected, and they function together in the human experience. And so it made me think, of course, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, 
It does not boast. Mm. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And we can look at this verse through all those angles of love, through Mm -hmm. friendship, through commitment, and through passion. Like these all should be safe places. And if true love is there, then these verses apply. And of course, uh, we see the the love and the sex that the world is displaying is not patient, is not kind, <laughs> is not, you know, it is, it is not uh, truthful and is not protecting mm-hmm. and trusting and hoping and persevering. And so it's such a counterfeit love, sex, out that's out there that we when we really can talk about it when we can say look what god has done and we can celebrate it as christians then it points back to how it should be and we could teach our kids like this is how it should be not what you're seeing in the world well and also i just want to point out in first john 4 Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, again, we're talking about love here. We're also talking about the love of God. And we know that the ultimate love of God was the fact that mm-hmm. he sent his son for us. And in first job, John four, it says, um, in ver- starting in verse seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And we're not just talking about one of those definitions of love. We're talking about all those definitions mm-hmm. of love. Love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his own son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Going back to that first Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I love yeah. that. His love is perfected in us. Yeah. That's exciting. And we can be examples of this love. We can be examples yeah. to this world that is like, this is not working. And they see committed relationships. They see loving families. They see uh, loving God and caring for people. That should look different. And to this counterfeit world that all their messages are completely wrong. So it really Mm -hmm. helps us to focus on this is the love of God. This is how he created things. And let's celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Trisha, can you pray for us as we go about Mm -hmm. our day that we would love and love well? Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that um, that because we are human and because this love and friendship and commitment and sexual intimacy is part of our lives that you dedicated a whole book of the Bible for that, Mm -hmm. that we not just see that as like, oh, that's kind of weird that's in here, but just see like, oh, God has a message that this is something to be celebrated, that he has good plans for our friendship and our commitment and sexual intimacy in marriage. Lord, I pray that you will help us um, be more bold to share that this is good and it's from God, Lord. And I pray that we will also train our children to recognize what is true mm-hmm. and right from all the counterfeit uh, that is out there. And Lord, just help us mm-hmm. to love well and may you be glorified in it. In your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Well, we are sending you off with some daily encouragement to get into the Word and be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you don't have the one-year chronological Bible that we are using, we have links to that in our show notes, and you can find it in the Kindle format. Also in the show notes is a monthly and yearly schedule of the Bible reading plan that we are following. And tomorrow, we jump back into Kings and Chronicles and a new book. So we're going to read 1 Kings 11. Second Chronicles 9, verses 29 through 31. So just three verses in Second Chronicles 9. And then Ecclesiastes, mm. we start Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 through 11. I love so Ecclesiastes. Good. I actually love Ecclesiastes too. <laughs> it's so fun. Vanity, vanity, all oh. is vanity. Yes. Well, I want to take a second here to thank the team at Life Audio. You would not be listening to Daily Bible Podcast without their partnership. Go to lifeaudio.com and you're going to find other great podcasts that are going to encourage you and also help strengthen you in your walk with God. And we will see you here tomorrow. Bye-bye.